3. As we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, I'm shocked that so many are here tonight because apparently you didn't read ahead. <laughs> this is one of those sections of Scripture that is probably the most difficult to hear as well as to teach because I stand before you and I, I was telling this to Foy and Tom, uh, was it today or yesterday? I don't know. Yeah. A couple, they, they, we, none, none of us know what's happening. That even for myself, I feel unqualified to teach this. I mean, if you look at verse two, he says, "Hey, we, we all stumble in this, and nobody has this down but the King of Kings." Amen. So let's take a look at it. The taming of the tongue, my brethren, James three one. Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he is perfect. In fact, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at the ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by such a small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. <laughs> the tongue is so said among our members that it defiles the entire body, the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire <laughs> by hell. James, tell us what you really think. <laughs> he says, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea, it's tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame his tongue. It is unreal. <laughs> It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse man. We have been made in the multitude or the similitude of God, the image of God. And out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray for our hearts tonight. That, Lord, we would be softened to what you would have for us. That you would speak to us individually where we are on this topic. Lord, that you would bring to our remembrance those who we need to say, I am sorry to. Lord, those who we need to forgive, who are bitter, who we might be bitter towards. Lord, thank you that you don't hold grudges against us. Whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. And so, Lord, give us wisdom on the topic of the tongue now in Jesus' name. Amen. James has explained two characteristics of the mature Christian 
in the last two chapters. In the first chapter, he spoke to us about having patience through trials and tribulation, and that the mature believer works through that. As well as the second chapter, James tells us that the mature believer practices truth and love. And in this section, chapter 3, James shares the third characteristic of the mature believer, and that is the power over the tongue. Now, let me just say this as an encouragement to everyone. Don't be beat up by the enemy today. Don't nudge your neighbor, your spouse, or text them currently. (laughs) Did you hear what he said? Pay attention. None of that. This is for you and the Lord to have a one-on-one conversation. And just so you know, nobody in the room is Jesus. I'm looking around. And so, we are all under construction. Amen? (laughs) I think that we should have those shirts and we should say, under construction, bless the mess. Right? And we need to be mindful of that when we speak and when others speak to us. Amen? We love the grace of God. We just don't like to give it to other people. James wants to help us today in that. And so, there was a story of a pastor who had a member of his church who was a notorious gossip. She would hang on the phone most of the day sharing tidbits with any and all who would listen. This applies to no one in the room. She came to the pastor one day and said, Pastor, the Lord has convicted me about the sin of gossip. My tongue is getting me and others into trouble. Well, the pastor knew she was not sincere because she had gone through this routine several times before. And he was very guarded and he said, well, what do you plan to do about it? She said, I want to put my tongue on the altar, she said with a pious smirk. Calmly, the pastor replied, ma'am, there isn't an altar big enough. (laughs) Just wanted to get us going tonight. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given us. With the tongue, man can praise God, pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. But with the same tongue, he can tell lies that can ruin a person's reputation and break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and accomplish tremendous task for the Lord. It's amazing, and yet we often take this role for granted. In order to impress upon us the importance of this, James tackles the topic before us tonight of the tongue. James gives us six pictures of the tongue, that of the bit, the rudder, fire, a poisonous animal, a fountain, and a fig tree. You can put these six pictures into three, cate- into three categories and to make it easier for you so you can remember. Number one, the power to direct, James says. Number two, the power to destroy. And number three, the power to refresh. All three of these are accomplished with the same tongue that you have in your mouth. But before he gets into that, let's read verse one again. 
My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we should receive a stricter judgment. Apparently, everyone in the assembly that James was attending wanted to teach or to be a spiritual leader. For James had to warn them, hey, listen, not many of you should be teachers knowing that there will be a stricter judgment. It might be paraphrased this way. Do not become unduly ambitious to be a teacher. Now, this should not be interpreted or looked on from James's point of view as a prohibition to teach. In fact, we know that it is a good thing, and the Bible says this is an honorable thing that a man seeks to teach the body of believers. This is not what he is saying. He is simply warning that the ministry of teaching or preaching should be not taken lightly. It shouldn't be a career choice at career day. Listen, I have heard, I will not speak of these men's names, but they are well known, and they went to college simply to get a good gig as a teacher or a pastor or a motivational speaker. Again, perhaps the people were impressed with the authority and the prestige of the office, and they forget about the tremendous responsibility and accountability. See, I know what you're thinking. This looks glamorous up here, right? I get to wear awesome clothes. But as I was telling Sean, you know, we, this, this ministry here, our radio ministry, boldly speaking, goes all over the country. And I've, I was telling Sean earlier, I'm, I'm amazed how much more hate mail I'm getting from so-called believers. But I'm amazed how quick people are to judge the content. I would say in the last three months, I have had emails from people who who have misinterpreted or totally disregarded something I said online and that that I did not say online. It is amazing to me how many people who, again, claim to be a believer, have no problem ripping me up and down. Listen, over the years, I have had people in between services rail me at the back door, and I'm like, you know, i got to teach again. Barnabas, you would get that because he's the son of encouragement. But they're not. One, one guy was saying, uh, apparently you have rock and roll music at your church because, and that's the devil music because the intro to Boldly Speaking has those guitar riffs. I was like, oh my gosh, I love that music. That, that speaks about this ministry. It's bold. It's not afraid to tell the truth. Here's what's important about being a pastor and a teacher is that you cannot be concerned about what the sheep are thinking. You must Give them the truth because oftentimes they need to hear the truth. Not what they want to hear, what they need to hear. That was my therapy session, by the way. Thank you uh, for allowing me. I have more. I'll bring out the emails. (laughs) Oh, what happened? It's all right. Everybody turn back. That was not the rapture. I know what you're thinking. You're like, isn't it supposed to be a louder trumpet? We'll let you know. <laughs> Again, those who teach the word face a stricter, stricter judgment. And I, I say this because in our modern world, 
the pulpits of America are more woke than that are teaching God's word. They are focused on social issues that the Bible does not address. The Bible says that we are sinners and that everybody, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to burst your bubble tonight, but you are all, I am all, is that good English? I am all, we're all sinners. So therefore, our world, are you ready for it, won't be perfect. It's not even going to be perfect in the church. Oh, you didn't think that was going to happen, right? You're like, oh, I got saved. Everything would be fine. It won't be fine until the King of Kings comes. Amen? Amen. This world will not be fine. It will never be socially fine. It will never be equally fine until Jesus comes. And the church needs to tell people that they're sinners and not to blame anybody else for their sin but themselves. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It is the pulpit's job to tell people the truth, not tell people what they want to hear so that they will stay and give and grow and do all. That is not our purpose. I'll tell you, I... I I think the older I get, the bolder I get because I I feel like we have a little time left. But you know, the ministry keeps growing because of that. People are hungering for the truth. They want someone to not placate to them. They don't want somebody to be phony with them. They want them to hear, look, yeah, I'm a sinner. How does God help me through that? And it's not just whipped cream Christianity. It means sometimes we have to get down and dirty and do the hard work. A teacher must be willing to to give God's word and have everybody leave. Can he do that? Did John the Baptist have great crowds? No. But he was faithful to do what God had called him to do. Now, let me just... Add this and then we'll go into the tongue. You don't have to be crass in how you do it. You don't have to be rude. You have to do all things in love. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13. If not, I'm just a sounding brass up here. I'm a clanging cymbal. And that's not what we want to accomplish. We want to let you know that you're a dirty, rotten sinner and then this is how you fix yourself. Isn't that great? We want to give you the tools so that you can live out this faith and that the race can be won, Hebrews chapter 11. It can be done because of all that have gone before us. Amen? (laughs) All right. For verse 2, listen, we all stumble in many things. We all do dumb things. How many of you in this room, we're going to ask a lot of questions tonight, how many of you have ever said something you regretted saying? Okay, for, for the tape, nobody raised their hand. This is an amazing holy group. Oftentimes, I mean, most of the time we, we regret it, but there are those rare times like, oh, I should have said that. But usually we say all the stuff, we just kind of vomit it all out, yeah? We don't really think. That's why James says God gave us one mouth and two ears. We should listen more than we, and again, vomit stuff out to people. 
We really need to be careful. But he says, listen, for we all stumble in many things. I want everyone to be encouraged by verse 2. We all blow it with our tongues. Amen? Now let's see what to do with it. Isn't that good news? You're like, I thought I'd come here. We all fail at this. There is nobody that is perfect but Jesus. Think about Paul the Apostle. Remember when he got slapped in the face by uh, the religious leaders, right? There was a, a guard and hit him and he goes, God will strike you, you whitewashed tomb. I love that. We oftentimes, Paul says that, I, I, I want to do good, but sometimes I just don't. My heart wants to say what's right and oftentimes I don't. He said, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is, perf- he is a perfect man, able to bridle his, his whole body. And now he starts to give our examples tonight. Verse 3 and 4 together, he says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. We also, with the ships, look how large they are, and they are driven by fierce winds. They turn, the, I'm sorry, and they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a, a little forest fire the fire kindles. So, notice he says the first one, and this is in our, our three things that uh, helps us understand. The, this first one is the power to direct. And so this bit in the horse's mouth is directing. The rudder directs the ship. So too with us. Again, James presents these two items to us that are small in and of themselves, yet exercise great power. Just like the tongue, a small bit enables the rider to control a great horse and a small rudder with a huge ship. The tongue is a small member in the body, and yet it has the power to accomplish, James says, very great things. Both the bit and the rudder must overcome contrary forces. Hear this and listen to this point. Both bit and rudder must overcome contrary forces. The bit must overcome the wild nature of the horse, and the rudder must fight winds and currents that would drive the ship off course. So, too, the human tongue must also overcome contrary forces. Guys, we have an old nature that wants to control us and to make us sin. Have you, have you seen that old nature? It pops out when you're in traffic. Or whatever. That old nature, that old man wants to jump out and he wants to take over. There are circumstances around us that would make us say things we ought not say. Sin on the inside and pressures on the outside are seeking to get control of the tongue. Let's turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 14. I just mentioned this. Paul the Apostle speaking, Romans 7. Now, just, this is the great 
Apostle Paul. Everybody got that? Okay. Like number two or three in the Bible. For we know that the law is spiritual, verse 14. He says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. By the way, what are the... One of the greatest things about being a believer is knowing who you are. How do I get through this life? I know who I am and who wants to come out of me. We all know that the old Hollywood Jekyll, Mr. Jekyll and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. I'll get it. Hyde and Jekyll. It doesn't matter who is the doctor. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? There is, that's in us all of the time. Even Paul says that. He says, I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, verse 15, listen to Paul. I do not understand. Could we all say amen to that? This is Paul the apostle. That's why he is such a great voice for the Christian faith. Because we can identify him, identify with him. As great and as brilliant as Paul is, he brings it down to everybody's level. And he says, hey, I don't understand. For what I will to do, I don't practice. But what I hate, that I do. He goes, the things I hate to do, I do. The things I know that I should do, I don't do. He says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer I who is doing it, but sin that's dwelling inside of me. For I know that in me, that is in, this is an underlinable verse for everyone. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is to present with me, or is present with me, and how to perform what is good, I do not find. Now, if you just read that, you'd be depressed too, wouldn't you? Like, well, this is Paul. What hope is there for us? He continues. He says, for the good that I will to do, I do not, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but that sin that dwells in me. He says in verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Paul Paul says, it's in me. What's good's there? What's good's there? The good is in there. The law is in there. I know what God's word says unto me. He says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my member, in my flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity or slavery to the law of sin which is in my members. Listen, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he tells us, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He says, the only way that I am able to do what I am doing is by the grace of God. Isn't that good news? <laughs> You're like, that's just, that was like, could we let, leave that out? 
of the message. Let's turn back. James 3. When Jesus Christ controls the tongue, then we need not fear saying the wrong things or even saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Proverbs 18.21, I have a bunch of scriptures I want to read to you tonight as well. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, warned Solomon. Psalm 141 says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. David knew that the heart is the key to the right speech. In fact, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, one speaks. Jesus says the same thing. Now listen, a bit and a rudder have the power to direct, which means they affect the lives of others. Would we not agree? A runaway horse or a shipwreck could mean injury or death to pedestrians or to uh, to passengers. The words we speak affect the lives of others. I mean, think about it. A judge says guilty or not guilty, and those words affect the destiny of not only the, pers- the prisoner, but his family and friends. <laughs> we know this all too well. The president of the United States signs an executive order, and we don't have gas. We, we don't have this, or we don't have that. Just by the signature the words that he writes. Even a simple yes or no from the lips of a parent can greatly affect the direction of a child's life. And so, never underestimate the guidance given by the words you speak or do not speak. Jesus spoke to the woman of the well, and her life and the lives of her entire town were changed. He spoke to her in a gentle and a kind but direct manner. Woman, you've had five husbands. Jesus, that's not very seeker-friendly. He was direct but loving. And with that direct, loving tongue that he used, that entire area was changed. Peter preached on Pentecost and 3,000 souls came to salvation in Jesus Christ. In 1855, Edward Kimball walked into a Boston shoe store and led a young man to Christ. His name was Dwight L. Moody. The result was one of the greatest evangelists that this country has ever seen. It took one man walking into one shoe store and telling somebody about Jesus. Who is the next Billy Graham, Chuck Smith, Paul the Apostle? You see, with our tongues, we are able to direct for good. Again, it would do us well to read the book of Proverbs. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a grievous word stirs up anger, Proverbs 15. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, Proverbs 12. In the multitude of words, there is not sin, but the one that refrains his lips is wise, Proverbs 10, 19. Yes, the tongue is like a bit in a rubber, rubber, rudder. It has the power to direct. How important is it that our tongues 
and what God allows us to direct is important as well. The power to direct could be a great benefit or a great distraction to a society or to a relationship. I think of the two most destructive influences in our modern age. Let's see if you can get the two that I'm thinking of tonight. Karl Marx and Charles Darwin. From where we get secular humanism, socialism, and communism, which has killed over 100 million people, two men speaking words on a page have killed over 100 million people, let alone the words of Adolf Hitler, who wrote in Mein Kampf. And it has been said that for every word that is in Mein Kampf, 125 people died. That's the power to direct. So we can use it for good or we can use it for evil. He continues and he says, there it is, verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how a great, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity or sin. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles, notice, the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by, uh, by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue, for it is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So the second in the three, power to direct, or the power to destroy fire and animals. Our words can start fires. Proverbs 26, verses 20 through 21 says this, Where no wood is, there is no fire. That is genius, isn't it? You ever read the Proverbs and you're like, why don't I read this more often? Listen, where there is no wood, there is no fire. So where there is no talebearer or gossiper, strife ceases. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to, uh, to kindle strife. In some churches, there are members and leaders who cannot control their tongue. And as the result, it brings destruction. No show of hands. How many of you have been to a church like that? Maybe you were personally affected by the, the talebearer, the gossiper. Maybe it was somebody in leadership. I'll tell you what our policy here at Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach is, go somewhere else and we will remove you from whatever position that is. We don't take lightly contention and divisiveness inside of the church. Just as I mentioned in the beginning, the, the wonderful letters of encouragement I get. By the way, I do get encouraging letters. It, it, it is. It's there. But the words that I'm like, and you're calling yourself a believer? How about you send that to Jesus and let him proofread it first? Amen. 
by the way, run that. How many of you got like Grammarly on your your uh, your device, right? It helps you with letters. Where was that when I was in the government schools? That thing's glorious. But is there a Grammarly that Jesus, you know, we can just type in our email, we run it through Jesus, and then he comes back and says, and there's like three, four paragraphs gone. <laughs> it just says, be warm and filled, praying for you. They're like, what happened, Jesus? I wouldn't say that if I were you. Wouldn't that be great if there was an app for that? I want to yell at this person. And then it comes, you ever have, do you have that translation app? When you go overseas, you talk into it, you know, where's the bathroom, where's the car rental, whatever. Wouldn't it be great if that was an app and Jesus said something else that other than what you said? Listen, fire starts small and it grows. So too gossip and divisions inside of the church. Look how destructive fire is to a community and family. If that happens in nature, in the natural world, how much more inside of the church? My wife and I are from California, as you know. And California is a very dry, brown state. It's called the Golden State, not because they found gold there. It is because it's dry and brown. And in our hometown of Napa, the... The town has been ravaged by fire. There's a town called Paradise that it was a Calvary Chapel there. It was destroyed. The lives of so many people destroyed in literally an hour. You ever watch the documentary about Paradise? It's amazing how fast that fire came from the bottom of the canyon. And by the time it got to the top, there, there was only one road in and out of the town, by the way. <laughs> Not good planning. But... They were all trapped. A lot of people died because of that. Now, we, we bring that into the church. You know, fire burns. It's good for heat if it's in, in a controlled environment. So too our tongue. It's good if it's in a controlled environment. That by Jesus. Controlled by Jesus. And I stand up here tonight telling you, I don't have it figured out. I am preaching to myself. Amen. James also says some animals are poisonous and some tongues spread poison too. The deceptive thing about poison is that it works secretly and slowly and then it kills. How many times has some malicious person injected a bit of poison into the conversation hoping that it would spread and finally get to the person he or she wanted to hurt? Have you been standing there? We all have. And you don't realize it in the beginning. And the more, the older you grow in the Lord, you, you can recognize poison quicker. And listen, you need to stop people in their tracks when it comes to gossip and poison. Just walk away. You know what? I don't think Jesus would like what you're saying right now. Nor Beth, the person you're talking about. Nor Ed or whoever. You just pick. Hey, could that person be standing here whom you're talking about? As a pastor, I have seen poisonous tongues do great damage to individuals, family, classes, and entire churches. I have seen people poisoned with division leave this church, know that they're wrong for leaving, and yet 
will not come back and be humbled because of it. That is the enemy laughing and loving every minute of it. The pride of man is so destructive. They won't humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. You know, the greatest thing is reconciliation. That is wonderful. God is so excited when that happens. The enemy loves it when you're bitter and you're away from the body of believers. The most destructive thing that COVID did, let me say, that China did, and our own government was to shut down churches. Unruly tongues accomplish the same result, not being controlled. It can be poisonous. The untamable tongue is even more dangerous, James says, than the poison of a snake. A woman once came to John Wesley and said she knew what her talent was. She said, I think my talent from God is to speak my mind. Wesley replied, I don't think God would mind if you bury that talent. (laughs) Speaking for everything that comes to mind is unwise. Sometimes the best thing is to, let's use the King James, shut thy mouth. Keep quiet. Let me just say this. Even when it, when it comes to trying to defend yourself, let the Lord do that. If boy could come up here and we could sit in our, our chairs and talk about over the last 19 years of this church, we have allowed the Lord to defend us, defend the church, and pretty much every time God takes care of it. You see, if we get in the midst of that, we just muck it up. We just create more problems. Listen, we're the Lord's kids. Let him deal with it. God, it's your problem. I don't know about you, and I say this with all reverence to God. All the, it's, This is your problem. This isn't my problem because when I la- allow it to be my problem, I muck it up, right? I mess it up. Let's just let the Lord handle it. And the, God will tell you when it's the right time to defend yourself or not to defend yourself in any situation. All right, let's continue. <laughs> we'll be here all night. Um. I absolutely love that he says, but no man can tame the tongue in verse 8. Notice how he says in verse 9, With it we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men. (laughs) No show of hands. Let's see if this scenario has happened to you. You are, because none of you fight with your spouse, you are having a gentle conversation in the car on the way to church. You hit the door and someone talks to you and your tone changes and you say, Lord bless you, brother. You're, right? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. He says, these things ought not be, my brethren. He says, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter out of the same opening? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, 
no spring yields both salt water and fresh. I mean, we see it in nature. So the third thing is, it is the power to refresh. The power to direct, the power to destroy. And James, don't you love how he ends? The power to refresh. James puts on trial, puts us on trial, as far as our speech is concerned. Before leaving this section, let's ask a couple of questions. Do I teach other, others things that I have not obeyed myself? Do I criticize others behind their back? In my speech, I'm sorry, is my speech consistently clean, edifying, or kind? Heads are dropping. Do I use... As a believer, we don't need to swear to God to anything. You know that, right? The Bible says, let our yes be yes and our no be no. We don't have to say, I swear to God I'm going to be there and help you unload all of your boxes from the, you know, the, the truck on a Saturday in July. We should be, people should be able to count on the speech that we give as a believer. If I say I'm going to do something, I need to do that. That is part of our speech, having a blessing. Listen, if you can't do it, are you ready for it? You can say no. We say that to people all the time in ministry. You, you want to sign up for a ministry? Wonderful. God's going to bless you through that, serving others. But if you cannot commit to it, don't do it. We don't need the children's ministry leaders in the back pulling out their hairs because you didn't show up. If you're going to commit, commit. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. And if you can't do it, then don't do it. If you sign up for a women's ministry retreat, lady uh, Bible study, men's Bible study, whatever it is, whatever you sign up for, whatever your name is on, be there. If you can't, take it off. We don't care. We're not right near. Na- oh, look how they came for this. They came for that. Wow. We don't care. We know the blessing doesn't come from us. It comes from our Father in heaven. If you're in that ministry and you're doing that, he will bless you. You will have your, <laughs> your spirit blessed. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Proverbs 10 says this, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You ever come to church and you are just bummed out by the week? Family, friends, whatever the situation, and, and someone comes up to you and says, how are you doing? And not in the how are you doing that you don't want to know how they're doing, but you can tell by their tone they actually care. And you go, wow, 
Somebody is caring about me today. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge to be encouraged as a believer. And that's what outside our walls in the world, they don't understand. They don't understand what it's like to come in here and hear this. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones, Proverbs 16, 24. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit, Proverbs 18. You see, we all have the power with our words to build up or to tear down. Think about the next time that you talk or think about how you talk to others or family or a spouse or co-worker or a boss. Is it always negative? Is it always tearing down? Or is it building up or praising and telling them, like from the book of Hebrews, again, how I started tonight, that this race can be won with the help of Jesus Christ. We are all guilty. We have all fallen short of our tongue and how we use it. The thing about a believer is to know and to hear from God and His Holy Spirit, to be heavenly spanked, but to get up and say, Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try and work through these issues with my tongue. Amen? The good news is that Jesus Christ equips us to live this life. All we have to do is listen. And I, I'm just, listen, and I'm just talking to the Lord for a minute. Hold on. Lord, if, you know, you want to come up with that app, go right ahead. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He says, you have the app. You just don't, you just don't turn it on. Read ahead next week. We're going to get into wisdom from above. And we're going to see what the will of God is for our lives and what God has for us. Read ahead. Revelation chapter 9 on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us life. And that more abundantly. And we thank you, Lord, that this little member inside of our mouth, praises your holy name, which is, Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise, all of our thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. And Lord, that you would help us accomplish the taming of the tongue. We thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ and that we too can encourage one another as we walk and run this race for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your servants. And we thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.